0: Listening to A Climate Change. This is Matt and your host. I've got uh, Lance Secretan on the show. Uh, he's an advisor and coach to leaders, former CEO of Fortune 100 Company, author of 24 books, most recently, Reawakening the Human Spirit, A Roadmap for Realizing One's uh, Personal Compass, A Self-Guided Path to Well-Being and Inspiration. Uh, well, you may be asking yourselves, listeners, why do I have a leadership guru on the program that's dedicated to climate change? And my answer is the environmental movement needs more inspiring leaders. Uh, there are undoubtedly thousands, if not tens of thousands of leaders in the environmental movement, and some of them are quite inspiring and uh, some are maybe a little less inspiring. Um the fate of the world's really tied to the quality of the level of inspiring leaders we have. And one distinction that Lance has made uh, in your books is between motivation, which is more fear-based, and inspiration, which is more love-based. And, uh, you know, so that's something I want to talk to uh, you about. And... um I thought the distinction of the motivation, which those of us who have studied leadership for a while, for me, uh, uh, going on four decades, uh, you know, we we tend to lean on motivation, like to study for an exam, uh, you fail, uh, you do a good job, or you'll be fired. That's kind of that fear-based motivational stuff versus inspiration, which is love, which is. Uh, based upon a fire that lights within us. Uh, Now, much discussion in the environmental movement is in, as I step back from it, after listening to your stuff, Lance, is more fear-based. It's, you know, if we don't cut our CO2 and uh, methane emissions, we're gonna destroy the planet. We're gonna all die kind of thing. Uh, Less of it's inspirational, like if we cut our emissions, we'll create a healthy planet. For our grandkids, will create a prosperous and su- sustainable economy in the process. So I'm excited to hear from you about, uh, you know, how to be an inspired leader in the environmental movement from anywhere, from kids to CEOs, political leaders, and everyday citizens around the world. Uh, so, uh, Lance, welcome to a climate change.
1: Great to be here. Thank you, Matt.
0: Uh, I'd like to know your journey and what, what it was like to, uh, rise to the level of CEO and then, uh, what then had you switched to, uh, your current path of leadership, advisor, coach, and author?
1: Well, uh, and a new path since then, let me go back to your first point and I'll come to that. Why am I on your show? Because something we've forgotten, Matt, is that everything's connected. It's all one. We can't do anything without touching the climate. Nothing. We can't get up in the morning without touching the climate. So everything we do in life has to do with everything else. Our relationships with each other, but also the relationships with our environment and everything else, all one. So that's why I'm here because the influence that we can all have together will make a big difference. Um, now I'll go back to, to how do I get here? Well. I was 27 years old, I was a sales manager of a company and somebody called me and said, I would like you to be the CEO of this company called Manpower. Do you know Manpower? It's a temporary staffing company, it's probably the largest employer in the world today. I was 27 years old, I had no idea what I was doing, and uh, worse, uh, they sent me to England. So I ended up uh, in England, not knowing the geography, I'm North America's obviously, and uh, also I didn't know how to run a company, I was 27. so. The only thing i could do was think uh what what did my boss from hell that i've just been working for for several years what did he do and i wanted to do the opposite (laughs) and that's that's how i learned i learned to do the opposite of all the people that i thought were screwing it up including my previous boss well uh i did that for 14 years and we built a business from scratch to 72,000 employees and then i uh, retired basically so that that was half my life ago now, then I went to teach university and I was shocked to see how terrible the books were. I mean, the last place you want to learn about leadership is university. So I had oh, I better write my own book since I'm teaching leadership, which I did. It became a bestseller. It was called Managerial Moxie, which goes to show you how long ago that was. And uh, it became a bestseller. And then people started talking to me about, you know, can you come and help us? And so I did, and pretty soon I couldn't handle my teaching load and the rest is history. So 24 books later, I've been working with leaders all over the place, except as of course, no. So the pandemic happened, and I realized that I had made a lot of people very successful. A lot of my clients that are co- I coach are multimillionaires and have retired now. I helped them do that. I helped some of the great companies in, in around the world become better than they were. But what I didn't do, and I'm sad about this, is that I didn't touch the lives of the people that work in those companies. I made it much better for the leaders and the CEOs and for the shareholders. But the employees were at the end of the lineup. They didn't get the same thing. So I decided that really what I want to do is work with people, not corporations so much. So I've made a shift in the last few years. Because one of the things I've noticed is that we have created an environment where we don't even recognize people. We don't say, let's call Max and Harry and Susan and Shauna to a meeting. We say, let's have a meeting with the marketing department. Like there is some transaction. There's like no people here. It's functional. So when we understand that we need to actually talk to people, now these are people that are maybe broken or have dreams or have just gone through a divorce or have got an illness or they've got an aspiration that you don't know about. When we deal with those things as humans, they'll do whatever they want because that'll be inspiring for them.
0: Well, that's a, that's a great path. I appreciate that. You know, as somebody who's uh, started my own business, my own law firm uh, back a number of years ago, about 30 years ago, I I kind of know that path and, and uh, trying to carve one where I did create a firm where we, you know, were inclusive. That was a great word that you, you talked about in, in one of your uh, videos, which I really, Thought the way you discussed it was uh was eye-opening. Um and you know, it's it's certainly challenging, but it's also a great gift to kind of connect with the people in the firm and try to get their vision or what they'd like to have happen in their lives, which has uh I, I had to drop kind of my fear-based thinking about leadership and and what I want it's like I no longer was maybe as worried about how this would affect me you know like I had a guy who worked with us for about 10 years and he wanted to go off and be a mediator and instead of worrying about how that's going to affect the firm I was like thank you for working with us for 10 years and doing a great job and how can we support you and you know it's it's you know, it's just a different mindset than the fear of, oh, I'm going to lose somebody and and it's going to cost me.
1: Well, you know, it's, I like to share with people the fact that I did some research many years ago to find out when did we first start using the word work. Mm-hmm. So, work, you know, I, I there was a TV show back in the 50s, I forget, used to get my words called. Um. But anyway, he, you say work, and you go, work, work. <laughs> no, <that's laughs> work. The way people feel, they'll be gillies. That's, that would be that. And uh, we, people feel like it. But you know what? We didn't work then. Back in the in the 1500s, we didn't work. There was nowhere to go to work. There were no factories, no offices. And if you had a blacksmith it was in the back of your house, you didn't go anywhere. Then we invented the word work in the 1600s. And then we started building places where people went to work. And then we've been doing that for 600 years. Then COVID came along, and we all went back home again. I mean, we've just been on a 600-mile trip. Nothing <laughs> in the human experience. And we're going to do exactly what we always used to do before the 1600s. So here we are. So we, what we've forgotten, and it's going to take us some effort to try and get through this, is that we've treated business as a totally separate activity from the rest of our lives. So you talked about you know the way we, we engage with people, but why would you do that any differently than anywhere else? I mean, mm-hmm. you love you love people in your personal life. Why don't you love them at work? Can you inspire people at home, your family, your spouse, your kids? Why don't you do that with your colleagues? What's the difference? They're human beings. So we've forgotten the light. You know, I can go out at the end of my drive, I can walk to a stranger and I can hug them. There. No problem. They might think I'm a little weird since they don't know me, but you know, I'm not going to go to jail or anything. But at work, if I do that, i got all kinds of problems. You're a lawyer, you know that. And I have to be really, really careful about not stepping over boundaries and so on and you know, behaving myself. And So, on. what are these human beings? Why can't I hug them? Why can't I go up to somebody at work and say, even if she's beautiful and pretty, I love you. If I work with her every day and I respect her and I have a deep admiration for her, why can't I say that? What's it got to do with anything else? And I can do that outside. Why can't I do it inside? We hold people accountable at work. Would you say that to your spouse? We do performance appraisals and engagement surveys, horrible things. Why would we do that?
0: Oh, it's a fascinating conversation. And uh, I think that certainly uh, one that we should be having, because I think the work world in in many ways is broken. And uh, that is and, and, and the disconnection and what you talked about, the oneness factor. Uh essentially, there isn't a a way you should behave at work that's different than the way you behave at home. It's I'm the
1: same person now. Huh? I got right. up in the morning and I'm a, I'm a husband, and now I go to work and I'm a janitor. Well, I didn't change. I'm the same person.
0: Right. So uh, you're listening to a climate change. Uh, We've got uh, Lance Secretan on the program. Uh, Really looking forward to uh, talking with Lance after the break. We'll be right back in just one minute. You're listening to a climate change uh i've got lance secretan lance the author of reawakening the human spirit and um, i was just uh i was thinking about this in terms of leadership in the climate movement uh, you see somebody like greta thunberg who's a great example a 15 year old who started a global movement fridays for the future out of her personal commitment to the environment what makes her so special as a leader was she born with some leadership traits or is that something that uh, lots of kids or people could do
1: well she was 15 so i think that was like malala you know it's the same thing when you, you're always inspired by a young person who can ch- change the world uh, we understand you and i uh you with your gray hair and me with none that <laughs> it is going to be younger people that are going to change everything there are a few of us at our generation that will change, but mostly it's going to come. I mean, think about Congress. Congress is average age of 70. Most of the people can't operate a computer, and they're writing laws about technology. So, you know, we have to understand that this is not a way to go forward. Young people are going to change. So we see Greta Thunberg, and we say, wow, thank goodness there's a 15-year-old that gets it. And now we're inspired, right? And she has yeah. charisma in a very odd way, a very sort of uh, down... Uh, down home kind of a style of charisma but she's got charisma and she turns people on and she's gutsy courage you know it's the first of the castle principles
0: ah yeah moxie uh as as a kid some of my brothers called me moxie I, you know i guess i should have taken it with greater pride at the time but
1: uh sure yeah, it's not a bad word it's a good word yeah
0: So uh, speaking of leaders, you were recently interviewed by Marianne Williamson, who's running for president of the United States. Uh, Did you give her any leadership advice?
1: (laughs) She doesn't need any. And she knows my work very well. So we've been old friends for a long time. Um, No, I think she she already, you know, that's the thing about our work. I can teach you technique and models, but fundamentally, when you already have it in you, as you do and as she does, uh, there's not much to teach. And most of what we're teaching in my work is something we've forgotten. In other words, I'm helping people to remember what they've forgotten. We've forgotten how to be inspired. We've forgotten how to have dreams. We've forgotten how to feel good about the world. We've forgotten with the uh, burden of a million different crises around us. So Ukraine, polarization, uh, opioid crisis, COVID, uh, institutional corruption, climate change. I mean, there's no end to this stuff and it feels heavy for a lot of people, which is why I wrote the book, because I think we need some uh, mental health help here. We need to get out of this place and we need, the world is not going to present itself and say, hi, Matt, I'm here to serve you and make you happy. So unfortunately we have to do the work. And so the book is really a a roadmap. How do we get there? How do we, the world is not going to change that much. So let's get involved. And that's, I think, Greta is a good example of that, as is Malala and uh, others that have set the tone for us. We love our youth when they're inspiring.
0: Yeah, it's it's certainly a wonderful quality. And uh, so I I had uh, gone to a number of Marianne's uh, seminars here in Los Angeles, uh, and, you know, there would be a thousand plus people at these. And, and she would kind of wade out into the group and, and talk to various people. During that, and I think it was, you know, she had just so much experience of dealing with people's problems. So, like people would bring life's problems to her doorstep, and she was kind of ad libbing, uh, you know, with uh, what she had in front of her on a on a weekly basis. And I think it kind of sharpens one's uh, skills to to be practicing in the game. Well, she's, my, people. she's a
1: she's a world-class expert in that. I mean, it's not, very few people can match. There's a lady called Byron Katie, which I would say, who probably has a similar uh, impact on people. Simple work, very profound, and she's surgical. You know, if she pulls someone out of the audience that's going through a trauma, she's going to use her surgery <laughs> on them. It, it may be, uh it'll be inspiring, but it may hurt
0: right so um now does marianne have some weaknesses as a candidate potential president lack of political experience lack of management experience lack of maybe formal training whether it's legal, academic mba all that kind of stuff
1: no i think uh, others see that as a disadvantage but you could make the argument that lack of political uh experience um isn't one of them and i would say you shouldn't underestimate marianne that way she already ran for congressional district in california and lost she but she came forth which wasn't bad and then uh, she, she uh tried to run again for president in 2020 and here she is again so this is not her first rodeo uh, so that i think is a, is an important Point to understand. There is a limitation for Marianne that I'm much more concerned about. It's not any of the things you've mentioned, because I think a lack of inexperience is actually a positive. She's saying, can't expect these old guys to change everything because they think the same and they're never going to change their thinking. But I will, because I'm not experienced in that place. I don't know how all that works and I'm going to make some waves. But the thing that is in her way, in my opinion, is bashing corporate America. I think that will not be helpful. If you bash corporate America endlessly, they won't vote for you, and you need them. So we need to be more inspiring around that. I think that's that would be a, my message for her. If, In other words, it's true of everything, isn't it? If we want to get something done, we need to inspire other people to do it. The trouble with climate change, Matt, is we're not inspired. Mm-hmm. At least not, not enough people are inspired. We're inspired, but not enough people are inspired. Most people have a much more short-term view.
0: Right. Uh, I interviewed Marianne back in September of 2021, and and she spoke of the need to end the use of fossil fuel. And though I agree with her that that is a a good goal to have, and uh, it's a challenging process to end the use of fossil fuels. And and she I felt she was lacking a plan. So it was unrealistic to kind of state this immensely. Uh, put forward this immensely complex task requiring worldwide cooperation at a level never seen before. Uh, Do leaders need more than just a lofty goal to inspire?
1: Well, I don't know that it is so out of reach, because I think when America decides to do something like that, the rest of the world will not necessarily follow, but at least that's an opening of the door. And then people will start to think about it, because you'll see that with the Paris Accord, for example. You know, basically, the Paris Accord fell apart when America bailed, and it's got new life in it now that America's back. I mean, that's the way it works. So if she shows up and says, let's write a new plan for global energy, I think it could make an impact. I mean, I would hope for her that she'll end up in the cabinet. That would be a perfect place for her. She'll make a lot of noise in there, and she'll be a sort of AOC inside the cabinet. <laughs> so that will be kind of fun. Um, I think that... She she uh, is not, not likely to see uh, a success as a presidential candidate, but she could have a big impact. And I think that's what we need right now. Noise. We need to shake people up. And look, millions of people feel very strongly about her and, and would vote for her.
0: No I, I I agree that uh, we do need some new thinking and uh I like a lot of uh you know the things that she stands for uh, and I and I agree with the direction uh regarding fossil fuels um it's just uh as I've studied it I mean you look at Greta Thunberg's book uh it it has probably 75 to 100 different experts who are writing different pieces in the book so I mean That's a complicated set of challenges, and we need to be kind of cognizant of the complexity of it um, in terms of we're going to shake up the world as we know it to make these changes. And so and
1: and, uh, with the Biden administration, uh, America and the rest of the world has started to make progress towards uh, fossil fuel reduction, let's put it that way, and alternative sources of energy. But then Ukraine happened and Ukraine messed up everything because suddenly we're short of gas and oil. And so now we end up drilling in Alaska, which was never intended. That's just came about because of the pressure. So, you know, it's short term, I suppose. So we'll do this for a while. Hopefully we'll get past it and stop doing it. But that's where I'm I'm mentioning that because I think one has to be realistic. I'm all for switching out of fossil fuels, but if I can't fill up my car and I can't get to a grocery store, I need help.
0: Right, right. There's just, a, there's a plan to get there. And that's the challenge. And uh, that's what we've got to work towards. And kind of the cooperation factor is uh, is highly important. And the problem of us kind of not cooperating as a nation. Uh, in the past, like when we've solved these big problems, there was cooperation across a wide spectrum of the country. And this time, there doesn't seem to be that. And and we need a leader that inspires kind of left and right, who can speak to both sides of the equation. Um, and uh, we, I haven't seen a whole lot of that yet.
1: No. And I don't know if any of the candidates in the next election will be like that. And we don't know who's going to be the presidential candidates either yet. But nobody who's made a noise, except for Marianne, perhaps, uh, looks like they would ever do that.
0: Well, you're listening to A Climate Change. Uh, this is Matt Mattern, your host, and uh, I've got uh, Lance Sekretin on the program, and uh, we'll be back in just one minute to talk to Lance some more about leadership and what direction the environmental movement uh, is going, likely to take in the next uh, few years. You're listening to uh, Climate Change with Matt Mattern, and I've got uh, Lance Sekretan on the program, a former CEO of Fortune 100 company, Manpower, and recently wrote a new book, Reawakening the Human Spirit. Uh, Lance, I, I noticed on your website that uh, you use uh, Namaste on there, and as being a, a longtime yogi myself, I've been doing yoga for about 15 years almost every day uh curious as to uh what uh that what led you to that part of your uh path
1: well uh, like you you know I've, I've studied that world too for a long time and uh one of the things i i came across was the old Sanskrit script greeting na which i think means bow uh no it means me uh and namaste means i bow to you in sanskrit therefore what it actually means we translate it to is the sacred in me the divine in me sees the divine in you and when we are both in that place there's only one of us well, that's that's a good greeting.
0: yeah it's beautiful uh a beautiful greeting and uh certainly um It kind of dissolves a lot of differences when uh, when we can get to that space.
1: Well, you know, another way that we can do that too, which uh, often freaks people out when I tell them this, but you know, I'm sure this must happen to you as as an attorney. You're sitting with people that you don't like. You know, I don't
0: know. It happens from time to time. yes. Yes,
1: you're sitting with people you don't like, and they are challenging, and they usually you don't like because the views are different, beliefs, something's not not in sync for you. So what I do when I'm in a situation like that is I say to myself, silently, just to myself, I love you. Mm-hmm. You'd be amazed how it changes the chemistry. I still don't like this person much and I still don't agree with him, but I tone down my uh, potential hostility because I'm in a different place. I'm coming from a different energy.
0: You know, uh, it was about 15 years ago that I was first starting to do yoga and I was at home and this guy who we were up against sent me a 335 page meet and confer letter uh, attacking our uh, responses to some discovery. And and my first response was, you know, I want to do a full frontal attack on this guy uh, because he's such a jerk. And then as I was doing the yoga, I was realizing that's exactly what he wants me to do. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to jujitsu this energy. And and I kind of did that. And we got him sanctioned for his silly letter. And we ended up certifying the class action. And, and we ended up settling it, got a good result for our clients. At the end of it, he said, you know, it'd be fun to practice law with you. So I hadn't oh. burned... So I hadn't burned the bridge, and I got a good result from my clients. And then I realized that this yoga stuff really actually works. Right?
1: Did he end up being doing anything with you?
0: You know, we've we've talked over the years, and and you know, it's kind of a friendly rapport. Yeah. Versus, in in a past iteration of my life, I, I think I would have put a flamethrower to that bridge, that relationship, and uh,
1: good for you. Yeah, I, I you know it's the same with divorces it always mystifies me why we can't untangle in a dignified and elegant way you know right. why do we have to have a war when you're
0: divorced you know i definitely try not to or do your one's best not to uh i guess yeah. i wish i would have had more wisdom uh you know back 16 17 years ago but uh you know there's always there's always room for improvement huh? yep.
1: we get it yeah. in the end all of us
0: yeah Just So, what uh, of time now uh you get a chance to meet with a lot of great leaders uh please tell us about some of them that inspired you
1: well i think my current favorite hero is satya novella uh and what I love about Satya Nadella, his, his approach is very similar to my philosophy. And I worked with Microsoft a lot over the years, probably 20 years I've been working for them. Um, they, not only uh, does he have a philosophy that is caring and compassionate and um, connected. So it's really, he sees the implications of what he's doing. For instance, uh, there is a commitment on the part of Microsoft to be a completely energy-free self-sufficient in energy. I think by 2030, uh, which is amazing when you think about a company that size. I don't know how they handle that with all their servers and everything, the j- giant energy consumers, but they've got a plan. And uh, I don't know the details of it, but that's one thing. The other thing is if you go back and look at the, the results, the E of Castle, which is effectiveness, uh, he added, and basically he's tripled the value of the company in the seven years he's been CEO. And he's done it not by using technique of management or leadership. He's used it by being sensitive to people and the environment.
0: Right. That's that's pretty incredible. So uh tell us the uh what the CASEL acronym stands for and um how you use it.
1: Castle, uh I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but the CASEL came to us when we did research about What do people not like about other people? They don't like cowards. They don't like selfish people. They don't like phony people. They don't like people who lie. They don't like people who rule with fear. And they don't like idiots, incompetent people. So, those six things we discovered are the things that we do not like about other people. So, we said, well, then, you know, let's not turn this into a major engineering project. This is simple. Let's do the opposite. And the opposite is courage, authenticity, service, truthfulness, love, and effectiveness. Castle principles. If we live those six castle principles, we will inspire others. Because we love people who are courageous. We love people who are authentic. We love people who serve others. love people who tell the truth, are loving, and effective. Now, the castle principles are practiced by millions of people all over the world because it works and it's sticky uh, I've had people say to me hey I heard you speak 20 years ago and I said oh what did, you, what did I talk about well uh you talked about gas principles I huh? know well, what are they courage authenticity service truthfulness love and effectiveness that's sticky and then when it's sticky you can live it if you can't remember it it's not and it's not sticky you forget that's what happened to seven habits for example successful people uh, most people can give you one or two of the successful habits i can't give you all seven hardly anybody can do that
0: i'm not sure if i can give you one but uh...
1: <laughs> yet yeah, we've done the course so that what it proves is pedagogically it's not doesn't quite stick right it's a great concept but it needs some engineering to make it stickier
0: right right if we don't remember it what's the value of it Correct. Uh, I saw you interview Bill Clinton, like, uh, once. Yes. Uh, what was that like? Tell us about that. That's a pretty fascinating
1: interview. Yeah, that was was interesting. And uh, I was asking him about strategy in our conversation. Actually, a little footnote here. Uh, we were on stage together, and uh, we were in, I think, Nashville. And um, I went to the bathroom, which I typically do before I go on stage. And as I went into the bathroom, 22 secret service men followed me. 22, <laughs> 22, of them. they were outside the door, they were inside, they were all over the place, you know, I couldn't go anywhere, they were all over the place, so anyway, that was kind of, I'd not been in that environment where I have all this, you know, these uh, suits and spooks all around me, so um, he he is super smart, They're just no getting away from me, he's got a brain, um, he's getting on a bit now, so I think he's not quite as quick as he used to be, but he's still totally engaging you know if you spend you spend time with him i don't know if you've ever done that but if he goes into a bookstore to sign a book i mean the women are all swooning it just has a magnetic uh effect on people that is hard to explain but it's it, and and men not just men. um so he was he, he he's very charismatic and very smart so i asked him about strategy and he was telling me how he would handle the middle east where, you know, you have to get people together get them to agree on an outcome and then negotiate backwards to try and get there. He said that's really never done. He said you tried to do that in the Middle East, but it never it hasn't really been done properly. And he laments that that that's sort of one of his big regrets during his his terms, that uh, he didn't solve the problems of the Middle East. And that's actually uh touches me because I did my PhD thesis on Israel and the Middle East, and I interviewed uh, the leaders of both countries, Sadat in the day, and Begin uh, when they were around, both of them, and the top 40 opinion formers in Israel and in Egypt to find out what they were doing with each other, why were they in conflict, and so on. Because conflict's an issue for me. I, I am very interested in that subject, and I think we have too much of it. And not only that, but as you were saying earlier, in our political system, that's what we think we need to do. I need to fight you. But that's not what we need to do. I need to understand you and then collaborate with you.
0: Yeah, now, I we may not agree,
1: but we should come to a compromise somewhere where we both get at least some of what we need.
0: Yeah, certainly, the talking uh, is the first step to find out what the no is, what the what the push points are. We do that in in mediations of cases all the time, and I I thought what uh, Bill Clinton had said regarding. That uh, they had basically a deal that both Arafat and uh, Israel were willing to sign off on and then Arafat backed away from it, which is kind of the tragedy of it. And he felt, hey, if I had gone to Saudi Arabia and some of the other Arab countries and and got them to buy into it, they could have encouraged Arafat to do the right thing. But they were so afraid of secrecy that they didn't uh, kind of put the deal on the table. And uh, then it just petered out for whatever reason, which is so tragic when you consider what's happened over the last 20 years. Uh,
1: Yeah. And on a footnote, I was actually tried to, uh, the CIA tried to recruit me because I was shuttling between Egypt and Israel. And you couldn't do that in those days. I had two passports. The government gave me two passports for safe travel.
0: Wow. That's uh, pretty fascinating. Certainly a time we'll have to go into that at, in more detail. Um, now, you had asked uh, Bill Clinton some questions that I, I'd like to maybe ask, turn the tables on you. Uh, you had asked him what was the one word that you, uh, that was most important about leadership to define leadership or talk about leadership. And he said service uh, would what, what would be your word?
1: I think Courage because so, i think i'm gonna, gonna i'm
0: happens. gonna get back to you in just one minute we're going to take a break and we're going to talk uh, about courage with uh lance Secretan, uh author of many books most recently reawakening the human spirit so we'll be back in just one minute You're listening to a, a climate change. This is Matt and your host. I've got Lance Secreton here on the program. And uh, Lance, you were just uh, telling us that you thought courage was the most important word uh, related to leadership. Uh, give us what your take is
1: on that. Why? Well, I think service is an important word. As Bill Clinton said, it's one of the council principles also. But the thing I, I've stumbled on, I think, is that Nothing happens until we're courageous. I can't say sorry unless I'm courageous. I can't say I love you unless I'm courageous. I can't say I need help. I was wrong. Uh, I can't say I don't know. I can't say please forgive me. I'm sorry. Thank you. These are all things that take courage. So courage is the beginning of everything. I can't tell the truth until I'm courageous. I can't be authentic until I'm courageous. I can't serve others until I'm courageous. I can't really do anything. I can't change my beliefs. I can't change my values. I can't put my ego aside and be in your space. All of those things take courage. And we were courageous when we were born, but we've lost it. Now we need to get it back. And if we can get back our courage, then we can be exceptional leaders, but it takes courage. That's the most important thing.
0: I can tell you, uh... You know, I I certainly can relate to that and that uh, when you're up against it, uh, a real challenge, uh, it it's it is um, it is frightening. I mean, I I ran for president back in 2020, challenged Donald Trump uh, in the Republican primary because I felt that he was uh, taking the country in the wrong direction and and felt uh, not enough people were standing up. Uh, to say this was wrong, and and I, as somebody who's an environmentalist, felt his lack of interest in the environment was cataclysmically wrong. Uh, yet, standing up to say no, or standing, throwing my hat in the ring, uh, caused a lot of sleepless nights before I did it. It scared the hell out of me.
1: Good for you, Matt. That's first of all, I'm honored that I should be interviewed twice in a week by presidential candidates, that's astounding. Um, but at the same time, I just tip my hat to you because that's what we need. We need people like you showing up and tilting windmills, making people nervous so that probably you're not going to change um, in the sense that you will get elected as the president, you knew that when you started. But what you will do is stick a burn on the saddle of some of the guys that are sitting there already. And that's useful because that will say, mm, you know, if they're paying attention, they'll say there's a bit of a trend here and I better just get lined up with that. because That's what politicians do, you know, they're always trend chasers, not trend trend setters.
0: Right. Yeah, I felt like it's just important to as a citizen and have being given so much uh, by this country to say, uh, you know, as a civic duty to stand up and say this is wrong. I, I don't I disagree.
1: And uh, good for you. We, we're so missing that. There's not enough people doing that. This is just a wonderful thing to do. And uh, thank you for that.
0: Well, I appreciate that. So uh, how do you think uh, President Biden is doing as a leader? If you were coaching him, what would you what would you tell him?
1: I'd tell him not to run again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not because he's not a good president, because I don't think his chances would be as good as somebody younger. And I'm sorry to say that because I'm not young either. And ageism is a problem in our environment, in our society. But I think he's probably used his best years. Uh, but I think he's done well. I think he's done incredibly well, actually. Uh, and at some point as we get closer to the election, we're gonna hear, I'm sure, how much they have done, which is enormous. This is we're the only Western country in the world, developed country, that, whose economy is on fire. Everybody else yeah. is in a mess and we're not doing it at the expense of everything else either i mean it's 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 sort of a new way i mean think about the energy we're saving by not having you know 50 of downtown manhattan office buildings are empty right now so we're not using all that traffic and oil and burning up resources and all the rest of it uh that's a that's a step forward we've built the economy even with all of that It's amazing so and it hasn't been done before it is unique that way so you know Obama did it but after the 2008 uh crisis and here we are again with the damage I don't know what the Republicans would have done probably yeah, given, rich, that... given rich tax breaks probably I
0: I think uh he's doing well and I applaud uh, his leadership particularly on the Ukraine uh crisis has been yeah. incredibly good and uh you know sure. I guess I'm going to part ways with you on that he should run again I I think he's kind of a Trump slayer. And, and sense it's a pretty good chance that he's, that Trump is going to be the nominee for the Republicans, uh, I think Biden can beat him again. And, and I think he's kind of uh, more in the center of the country, which is, I think, ultimately healing and, and a good thing. Um, and I guess the other thing is, I think he's reached a point in his life where he he's uh, willing to be a bit more courageous. I think yeah, as you think. get older, yeah. you I think you get a little less timid. Yeah. It's like, hey, this is my last rodeo. I'm going right. to make it count. And he's I, I think he got-
1: yeah comfortable in his own skin. Um, I am doubtful that Trump will be the nominee. Uh, I think he's got too many crashes ahead of him uh, that will spoil that chance. I may be wrong, and I'm, I'm just making stuff up here, but then the question becomes, well, will Biden face off well with DeSantis?
0: You know, I uh, that's a that's an interesting question. I don't know if that will be the question, but if it is, uh, I think he I think he would. I think DeSantis has gone so far to the extremes that he he's very um, he's very much in danger of losing the center of the country. You can't go.
1: I want to be clear about my comments around Biden. I, I have the greatest admiration for him. He stands for the right things, and he's done the right things. What I'm more concerned about is the way the media is going to trash him because of his age. And he, that's not his fault. He can't do anything about that. He's still a good person and has done good work. But you know how it goes. Uh, the same with Marianne Wilson, by the way. You know, Last time, uh, just a week ago, they did a poll of you know where do all the candidates stand, and she wasn't even on the list. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to get on the list. I mean, so it's not, I mean, she's a fabulous candidate, but if the outside world is not working with you on this, you're not going to get there. You need that. And that's what I worry about with him. Can he manage the media in such a way that he overcomes that? Yeah, I think... I think and he can cos- talk. It's cosmetics, Matt. It's cosmetics. I don't mean to make it a dick. I mean, he'd be great if he went to a gym and, and showed that he's got, he can do beef baths and that he can lift weights. Then people say, oh, he's not falling apart. Uh, this is great. You know, I mean, it's, it's cosmetic. It's not real, but it helps because it's all part of the picture. You know, it's, yeah. it's showbiz. Politics is showbiz.
0: Yeah. That, I was going to hearken to Ronald Reagan and that uh, people were concerned about his age, particularly the second time he ran. and. Yeah. Right. and and he really turned the tables on Mondale and said I'm not going to hold his uh inexperience against him and got everybody laughing and uh you know he Yeah, that's
1: right. And you know, I'm 83. So I I'm in a place where I can say comfortably, you know, I'm not old. <laughs> I don't feel old. Uh but and and I'm I'm busier than all get out. I'm all over the world all the time, you know, traveling and working. So life is good. So it's possible. And by the way, if Trump is the running mate, then the whole argument of age will disappear because Trump's old too.
0: Right, exactly. So uh, what coaching would you give me and other uh, people similarly s- situated to be uh, leaders in the environmental movement?
1: Well, let me give you a little tip here. There's an app uh, that we created called Spirit at Work Cards it's on the uh, all the platforms, um, Apple and Android. It's 77 cards, the 77 cards of what single words. So intimacy, vulnerability, passion, chemistry, all the castle principles, courage, authenticity, and so on. So you pick a word as a meaning, you tap the card and it turns it around as a meaning. There in the 77 words is basically all our work, which is called high ground leadership. So we, we one time, long time ago, we said, what are the key words that we use in our work, high ground leadership? These are the 77. So in terms of climate change and anything else for that matter that moves us forward, download the app, shake the phone, it'll shuffle a card randomly, pick the card and live that today. So if it's it's intimacy, search for intimate relationships today. If it's courage, be courageous. More courageous than you would have been yesterday if you hadn't picked this card. So each day it's incrementally in a small way, moving you forward in the right direction.
0: That's a great thing. I, I love it. Uh, I'm kind of into Taoism and that's all about following the spirit. And uh, so this is yet another tool to kind of follow the spirit. Yeah. Uh, it's, a
1: Zen, it's a Zen practice.
0: Yeah. Right. So uh, everybody go to spirit at work, download the app and let's start uh, living that way because you, uh, it's just a it's a it's an opportunity to stretch ourselves
1: yes exactly and to do the inner work which is what we need to do we spend a lot of time talking about how the world needs to change but are we prepared to
0: right right it, it starts at home and so that's that is certainly the big challenge so uh it's been a pleasure to have you on the program lance uh great uh great talking with you, everybody. Go out and purchase a copy of Reawakening the Human Spirit, Lance's new book, A Roadmap for Realizing One's Personal Compass. And also get his app on uh, Apple or Android and uh, start living your dreams. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for inviting me. Okay. Well, have a great day. And everybody in the audience, go out there and... uh... Go make a difference today. Pick up some trash. Volunteer for an environmental organization. Get involved in politics. Make your voice heard.